there. Get ready. You are now listening to Talk of the Town with Jill and Carmen, the one and only podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. It doesn't matter if you just moved into the area or you are a fifth-generation Vermonter. This podcast is sure to delight you and inform you. Go ahead, sit back, and relax. Here are your hosts, Jill and Carmen. Well, welcome to Talk of the Town with Jills and Carmen. I am your host, Jills, and I'm here with Carmen. And I'm this host, too. That's right. <laughs> good good afternoon. Good morning. What day is it? Yeah. Hello. Well, we're not sure when you're going to be listening to this, but whatever you are, good morning, good afternoon, good day, good night. Uh, we hope you're having a good day. Yes. And we know we haven't uh, been around for a couple months here. It's because we've been working on a proj- another pro- podcast project. Yeah, we've done that. And we took a little time off to enjoy some of that summer. Right. So welcome back, Jills. Welcome, Carmen. <laughs> it has been one heck of a summer, hasn't it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How's your summer been? Well, it's been pretty good, actually. You know, in spite of all the rain. Um, I know we've really needed it. I mean, we've really needed it, apparently, but not in the way it came. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when is too much enough, you know? I know. I would say that when the roads start washing out and houses float away. Yeah. That um, that was pretty, um, you know, even though we weren't affected, it was still pretty heavy because it involved the whole state. And then it involved... Everywhere I was leaving my house, all the roads, you know, I only had one way out, number one. And then number two, we know people that are affected. So it was a heavy week. Yeah, it's it's been pretty wild um, to see all of the destruction that's taken place throughout the state of Vermont. But the flip side of it has been seeing what makes Vermont so great. And it's the people coming together and and looking out for each other. Uh, We have seen just a lot of people um, pitch in, right? Yeah. And, you know, when you follow online and you just hear about all the different GoFundMes and uh, or people just advertising how much people came to their friend's house or whatever. Um, And then I remember hearing about Montpelier and how a thousand people volunteered. And, and then just seeing how many uh, emails I was getting because you sign up to be a volunteer for, let's say, COVID or for something else. And then all of a sudden I'm getting more than one because they've engaged multiple agencies and and then they just collect the data. And all of a sudden you're getting these emails asking for volunteers. And it was pretty impressive, actually. They were right on it, I found. Yeah, there has been so much stuff. I know that we shared one where uh, right, Palmer Lane Maple was collecting food for the people in Richmond and Richmond Church or something. They were, they were doing stuff, so there was meals and food being given away. I've seen other communities where people are just rallying around and helping each other out and making sure that nobody's going hungry or without. And um, it's just one of those things that... Uh, Makes it makes you be proud to be a Vermonter mm-hmm. when you when you see that and you say, "Yep, 
um, we definitely look out for each other and you know you can say that's for mom but i think that's kind of it's the human spirit right that's what it we just do. is uh, you, you watch when there's hurricanes and stuff and you see them in, in those communities you know you you look out for each other mm-hmm. and uh i think that's a beautiful part um and you know, i know time has passed now i already forget like when it actually happened was it in july it was the july. beginning of july right it was after the fourth after the fourth so um you know it's easy to get back into the swing of things when you're not affected and i would encourage us to continue to you know think of the people that we do know and continue to ask do you need help do you need a meal um maybe you thought of giving money and didn't give some money at this point to them you know i mean i don't know it's like it's so easy to just move on when you're not affected but when i walked into um friends of ours home and just uh, you know we delivered a meal Mm -hmm. they were they own a farm in in um johnson and we already know johnson was probably one of the hardest hit as far as farms go i think but regardless they were hit hard for a lot of farms and so anyway i dropped the meal off and we got to visit them for a while they took the time and i was you know i thought geez they could just rush us out because you could barely move in their home because they had to take everything from the basement and move it upstairs right and they have a lot of work to do and they have to fix the house and blah 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 you know and you're like they could have pushed us out the door but they really still took time to talk with us and um and uh thankfully they were you know upbeat and they were so grateful and um but you don't know until you really see firsthand driving by is is you know i mean that was amazing to see yeah oh yeah what people had to do to to right to just mm-hmm. live in their home because everything is outside um but what about inside yeah it's easy you don't see it so you don't have to you take it from people that have been helping and we're just encouraging you give money give your time ask people how are you doing um it's still needed yeah and i want to brag on um this community especially uh, i don't know if you saw it or you followed it um we're talking we're going to be talking in a little bit today to aaron little from mmuusd school district he's the head of the bus garage but there was a bus driver who lost everything right chief um and and if you know chief he's just uh he's a really cool guy uh and he's um you know he, he lost his wife a couple years ago to cancer and he's got a son who is fighting the, the cancer fight right now and they lost everything and this community rallied and they raised eight thousand dollars for chief and his son wow so i just want to say you know good job to, yes. to this community you guys really just came through for somebody who was feeling it and uh and those who helped out with palmer lane i mean i was there d- delivering um our own contribution and i just saw people pouring in yep while i was talking to uh colleen and uh you know they were helping out the richmond congregational church because they last minute pulled together meals sure and they got flooded twice and who's to say with rain coming again 
I mean, everything is so saturated still. Yeah. We haven't had time to recover. And so, you know, right. They're still flooding in certain areas. But anyway, it was amazing to see all those people coming and going with trunk, trunk, trunks full of watered bo bottled water and whatever else was in the boxes. So that's our community again. And it this is. is what we're talking about. Yeah, we witnessed it. Yeah. You guys rock. So Absolutely. Thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just been phenomenal. And, and, you know, in adversity, you see the triumph of the human spirit. So, yeah. And however you can, nothing yeah. is ever so trivial or too small. It yeah. all adds up. It does. So thank you. And speaking of that, then community. Yeah. We are speaking about community today. That's right. Uh, because. So, I, I, guys, brace yourself, right? If you're driving, pull over, take a second, because, you know, we got some bad news. Uh, we're, in, we're in August. Which means? Yeah, back to, to school. school. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that means school buses are going to be out. Your kids are going back. That means fall is around the corner. Uh, the fair is going to be here. Um, yep. And you know, once the fair gets here, the leaves start to change. And then, yeah, we're not going to depress you any more <laughs> than that. But uh, school is, I mean, its we're getting ready for back to school. That's right. I mean, that doesn't mean summer activities end. But we know parents are starting to think about it, not the kids. <laughs> I know. Parents are starting to think, um, you know, about just, I don't know going shopping and scheduling and uh you know making plans and um so we thought as uh talk of the town here that we would focus on school uh this next podcast and as you heard we're going to be speaking with Aaron Little who is the transportation director for the Mount Mansfield community and uh and of course, you're going to hear from our own Jills because he is a bus driver. I get the pleasure of driving some of your kids around as well. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. With the, you know, I'm just like thinking about back to school. Was was that a big deal for you when you were growing up? Um, well, it it was because you know you you. I mean, we didn't have that much money, but we still knew we got some new things coming. Right clothing yeah you, you know the new kicks and, and um you, you wore your best gear on the first first day, day. yeah your outfit and, <laughs> and then it wanes pretty fast after that when it comes to clothing but yeah but you know the idea of just being with your friends and and when you're a people person that that's a yeehaw you know but for those who are not people person it could be or even academic some kids don't like school and you feel bad for them. <laughs> I didn't like school, but I liked friends. Mm -hmm. right? I was I was not excited to go sit in a classroom. I was excited to for the other parts of school yeah. days. <laughs> I mean, I like recess and I like lunch. So, but that's not school. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, or spitting. Uh, what do you call those spitballs? Spit <laughs> yeah, we won't talk about that. But it's coming up. So, you know, August 30th is the first day K through 12 will be back in school. I think the 29th is freshman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
It's so, coming. but the first August thirtieth. Yeah, it's up. coming up. It'll be here before we know it. Unfortunately. So enjoy the rest of summer. Yeah, even, don't even, let us talk, talk <laughs> fall too much to you. Yeah, yeah, because we don't want to be depressed either. <laughs> um, no, but really, it's uh, you know, it's kind of like when summer camps come around. They have the newspaper for kids. And they start talking in March for all the camps. So we know parents have to plan. And and so we just thought that um, we'd invite Aaron. Yeah, um, we figured it would be good to so that you could hear from him and uh, maybe kind of get to know who he is and make you feel a little safer that you're putting your, your kids in his trust. Hear a little bit about him. And he might answer some questions for you about busing. That's right. Yeah. Because it's it's going to be back, and uh, excitingly, uh, this is going to be some of the the most busing we've seen since COVID. Right, right. Yeah. Where you guys have enough uh, people, people you're staffed back. enough right now. So, with there is some, yep, the staffing <laughs> is great, and uh, the students are are returning in full force. <laughs> So why don't we let's do it? Listen huh? to him. Let's see what that. he has to say. Okay. You'll hear from us in a minute. Well, thank you, Aaron, for joining us today. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, you know, we uh we thought of you because of your position, you know, in the community. And you have uh, multiple ways in which you get yourself involved. One is your work and one is your passion. And so we would like to be able to talk about those today. Yeah, so yeah. welcome. Thank you very much. This is the Talk of the Town with Jules and Carmen. Um, before we get into the to the heavy stuff, we always like to start off with some some light and silly questions to open it up. Uh, so our first question that we ask everybody is, <laughs> "What is your most regrettable fashion choice?" Well, I'd probably have to go back to my time in high school and had long hair and a goatee and I wore black denim and combat boots and tie-dye shirts and that's that was pretty much me I was kind of like a beatnik and uh, you know, just one of those you know 14 to 17 age range type of things that I went through and I look back at my old driver's licenses and I just shake my head and I say what was I thinking <laughs> I can't see you dressed like that get him in a play just maybe <laughs> All right, here's a fun question. What is the funniest or the craziest thing that you've ever done? Well, that's a good one. Um, I'd have to say I don't have too many crazy things, but I ran a 50K back in 2017, and I wore the wrong shoes. It was uh, icy that morning, and I had purchased a pair of what they call ice bugs. They're uh, spiked running shoes and had not trained in them at all. And then it turned out that the uh, weather changed uh, about an hour into the race, and it was all muddy. And so I had the wrong shoes on. I was running with my running coach, and she ended up losing me after a while, about 11 miles in. And 50K is about 31 and a half miles or so. And so she lost me. She, uh, We were talking in the beginning, and like I said, I have no idea how long it you know, I've never run a race this long before, how long it should take me. And she estimated eh, maybe five and a half hours just based on our training together. 
And so she lost me about 11 miles in. I'm kind of hobbling along, you know, with these shoes that don't fit. They're not comfortable. It was, it was okay, you know. So I'm moving along and you know, running. You have to stop and walk a little bit and then run and then drink. And uh, toward the end of the race, I realized we're back on the asphalt again, headed back to the ski resort where we're running from. And I'm just, I'm just hobbling along. I look miserable, you know, and I'm thinking I'm going to be the last person in. So I finished the race. Turns out my running coach had actually gotten lost, took a wrong turn, and had to uh, take a do not finish, a DNF on the race. And uh, so I completed it. My legs were a mess. My hips were a mess from wearing the wrong shoes. And it turned out after they post their race results, I had finished exactly five hours, 30 minutes, and zero seconds. I have no idea how that happened. Wow. So I thought that was, uh, that was entertaining, at the, at the least anyway. <laughs> I mean, for me, you could have just stopped and said you run a, a 50K. <laughs> that would be the craziest thing. But, uh, wow, the rest of that yeah. story is wild. Can't say I'll probably do that again because it takes a lot of training time. And it's, you know, if you want to keep a married life and family, <laughs> it's just there's no time to train like that. But wow. anyway, that was good. It was a good experience. Good for you. My wife ran a, a marathon one time. And that took her six months to train for it. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of training involved. Train for 12 to 18 weeks. Yeah. It was good. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and you threw the shoes away. <laughs> I haven't worn them again. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Well, let's get on to uh, why we invited you here today. Thank you. Um, so we'll start with, um, so how did you get into the field work of transportation? Tell us a little bit about your, you know, where you're from, your background, and then how it led to where you are today, and where are you today? Sure, thank you. So I'm from Vermont. I've lived in various areas of Vermont, uh, Cambridge, Essex, Central Vermont, Burlington for a little while. I did move out of state for a period of time. Um, transportation was something that just kind of found me and I fell into it. I was living in Maine for a while, taking care of um, disabled children through a private school and then when at the time uh, my wife and I at the time we were looking at adopting our eldest daughter so my eldest daughter we adopted and, and we worked for a school that you couldn't have children because you had to take care of the children that they gave you to care for outside of school and then take them to and from school so we ended up moving back to Vermont and had a bunch of money in the bank because you know they gave you room and board and a salary to, to do the job there so i was looking for something to do my sister and her husband at the time were running a transportation company out of eden vermont doing um, volunteer driver services with mileage reimbursement and so i was looking for something to do i started transporting children for what formerly was known as srf which is now dcf uh, department for children and families and I did that with my vehicle at the time, just for something to do. And then after a while, I was like, all right, I need to actually, I need to get a real job because I can't live off the equity of my vehicle for, you know, for years. So I ended up just looking around. I liked working with people. I took a position with Special Services Transportation Agency in uh, Colchester. They were originally located in 40th and Allen. And, and then we had uh, moved to where they're located now in Colchester on Route 2A. And, and that was a rewarding job. I did that for about two and a half years or two years. And then a friend of mine 
had contacted me about a position at CCPA. They were looking for a customer service person, and I was starting to um, go through some uh, college training, and actually through this, uh, the Catalyst Church, which was formerly known as United Christian Assembly, there was a college program that operated out of that church. So I was thinking, well, it would be great to be able to do some uh, college work and, you know, do my day job. It was sitting at the bus terminal, selling bus tickets, giving out information, and there was you know, a fair amount of downtime in between customers. So I started doing that. And then in 2003, there was an agency in central Vermont that had gone bankrupt. It was a public transit agency. The state of Vermont, uh, through VTrans, had come to CCPA where I was working, and they asked CCPA if they could hurry up and help get a transportation agency up and running in central Vermont because we've got you know, passengers who are stranded without you know, commuter transportation and the Medicaid program. None of the uh, individuals who needed to get, make it to doctor's appointments and things uh, were able to uh, get on a lift-equipped vehicle because all the buses had shut down. So long story short, Moving into public transit, I was actually in the process of training to get my CDL because I just wanted to be able to move a school or excuse me, a transit bus if it was parked at the terminal and there was an issue. So I was training to get my CDL at the time. And then I was asked to move into a temporary dispatch position in Berlin, Vermont. We were operating out of the Knapp State Airport in basically the size of a broom closet. It was a temporary setting until the transportation building could be uh, taken out of bankruptcy. So uh, I agreed. I said, sounds like an adventure. I'm happy to help out wherever I can. Uh, so I started commuting six days a week to Berlin, uh, Vermont, and helping operate as a dispatcher. And it was everything from you know running the office to making sure the drivers were uh, on their routes, training drivers, um, driving vehicles back and forth between Burlington and, and uh, Montpelier Barry and uh, doing some light maintenance work, changing tires, a whatever. Bit of everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. So I got into that. And then by the end of that summer, they offered me a permanent position as their operations supervisor. So I, at 24 years old, I became a manager uh, of transportation in central Vermont. And I was there for about 15 years. And then um, a lot of life changes, you know, in, a, in the personal family aspect, a lot of changes had happened. Um, and I had then uh, also applied for a position with um, Stagecoach Transportation in Randolph. It was a step up as a regional manager's position. Uh, and I thought it was time for a change uh, for growth. There were some other changes happening at the company I was working with that were all good, but just time for a change. And so I did that for about two and a half years. And then I met my now current wife, uh, Heidi. And within less than a year, we had decided that you know, we were uh, meant for each other and, and we wanted to uh, get married and move to Jericho and actually come to the Catalyst Church. And all these things just kind of lined up and we ended up you know, finding a home right here in Jericho. We purchased it. We, we bought the house one week, got married the following weekend. And for the last five and a half years now, we've been uh, here. And so at the same time, I 
had so the pastor, Pastor Mike Murray, who uh, was the lead pastor of Catalyst Church at the time, uh, was a part-time bus driver at, or still is a part-time bus driver at the local school district. And so just interesting how things work out. He was our uh, pastor who was going to marry us, and so we were going through premarital counseling together, meeting with him on a weekly basis. And he just mentioned that this position was available. They were looking for a transportation director for the school district. And I said, well, I might as well apply. I never thought I'd want anything to do with school busing, just because uh, in public transit, I often you know, recruited folks who came out of the school bus industry. And you know, when you hire somebody from an industry who's leaving an industry, you tend to hear a lot of the negative things and the headaches and why they're leaving and all of that. So I just never really had a, a real um, positive um, view of what school busing was about. And so when I got here and I realized that I wanted to apply for the position, I came in and I interviewed. The superintendent called me on our honeymoon, offered me the position, and it's been the most rewarding and enriching environment that I've ever had um, the pleasure of working in as far as transportation goes. I love serving the community. I always had that um, that fulfillment in public transportation. And then when you come to the school district and you just find that it's that much more enriching and rewarding um, serving the community, serving families, students, and um, it's just, it's great. So that's how I got into transportation. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, Really, um, that just exemplifies the whole thing about leadership, you know, and, and like because he started young, sure at like did. 24 years old. And um, sure, there's lots to learn between then and now. Made a lot of mistakes. You know, I'm sure. But, um, you know, you fell into who you are as far as leading, right, and being director and all these leadership titles, whatever they are, it just speaks to, you know, who, who you are. I'm very thankful for the experience. It has certainly helped shape and mold me as an individual, both um, in the professional setting and you know, in the community setting and the family setting. So I'm mm -hmm. very thankful for that. That's cool. Very cool. So, I mean, Aaron is the... Um, Director of Transportation for the Mount Mansfield Unified Union School District. That's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. It sure is. Where they're so unified that they unified the union. <laughs> it's always made me chuckle. But, uh, so, I mean, you are a, a leader in the community. You're a voice in the community. You're somebody who parents uh, look to and hear from. Maybe not always that so they want to hear from you, right? But more often than not, it's pretty good. Uh, Especially on snow days. Right. <laughs> Kids love us then. Yeah, for sure. But uh, the reason we kind of brought you in for this time and, and to be this is so that you could talk about if there's any changes, if anything parents need to know for the, the coming school year, 23-24, is there any changes for the buses or anything like that? Or something you want them to know that oh, yeah. might be different or new this year or just to encourage them, a message even. Yeah, thank you. I, I think, you know, bus routes, you know, typically we follow the same process each fall in, in determining how many students are going to be riding, who plans on taking the bus. We put out, the district puts out a request for information from families um, late August, 
So we have a couple of weeks to gather information and try to determine who's actually going to be riding the bus routes. Each route, um, it, as far as the geography it covers, is generally the same from year to year. It's one of these um, types of systems where each year looks a little bit different from the last. And you know, if you were to look back over five years, a route may look very different in some cases, in some cases not so much. Um, but we do continue for efficiency to you know, try to continue to adjust how the routes operate, which makes most sense for getting students to school on time and um, you know, those factors. During COVID, uh, we had a you know, significant number of students not riding after we were able to start providing transportation services again. So things dialed back quite a bit. We consolidated some routes. We had some, prior to COVID, we had some you know, the beginning of a staffing shortage um, that I think was being experienced around the country. And then when COVID hit, there was an, a significant staffing shortage. It caused you know, a lot of people, a lot of you know, commercial drivers, school bus drivers across the country to you know, decide it's time to retire and you know, for health and safety, um, especially with an you know, aging workforce who may be uh, more sensitive to specific health needs and things of that nature. It was just the right decision for them, which left the industry as a whole in a significant deficit. And there is still a fairly significant deficit for school bus drivers. Thankfully, um, in Vermont, uh, in, in, in our district, we've fared really well uh, compared to other areas of the nation. Certainly, I think for the school districts in Vermont, we're probably faring, I may be a little biased, but I think we're faring <laughs> really well in comparison to even some of our neighboring districts. We haven't had to have a rolling cancellation. Some of our neighboring districts have had to have rolling cancellations where families know that every Monday, you know, you're not going to ride or, or, or you're not going to have bus transportation and you'll have to transport your students and then they would share that burden across different bus routes. So thankfully we haven't had to do that. Um, so for this upcoming year, we're starting to see more students returning to uh, bus transportation, which is great to see. So one of our um, challenges that we're certainly eager to work on is determining how many people are going to be riding the bus, how many students will be uh, accessing on a regular basis, and what do we need to do to expand service. So we are looking at some route expansions um, in parts of our district to ensure that you know, students aren't having a significantly long ride time. And you know, we try not to fill buses to capacity. We do when we need to, but it's you know we, we like to operate at three-quarter capacity, kind of keep it comfortable if we can, and uh, create ride times that are not you know, super extensive. You know, typically 45 minutes to an hour, depending on geography and location of the school, is about the longest we want students to ride. We like to keep it down anywhere to 15 to 15 minutes to a half an hour on average. Um, so those are some of the things that we're looking at. We ask parents to you know, if they can try to be detailed in getting us the information about what they need as soon as they can when those um, surveys go out to collect the information. Otherwise, you know, we will work on you know some last-minute changes, which is always part of the uh, you know, the project of trying to get the routes up and running in a way that's uh, efficient um, and accurate. Another tool that we are leveraging right now is a online scheduling program, which is something that we've been working on for a while. We'll be able to build bus routes with an online cloud-based system that will help us 
um, be more efficient in setting up the driver's route sheets um, and tracking all the details of you know when students ride, when they don't. We have some students that will ride, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and and one day they're going to grandma's, and another day they're going to an after-school program, and another day they're going to another caregiver, and another day they're going home. So having the ability to track all that thing would be, uh, you know, it's super exciting. It is a lot of setup work to do, and I'm currently working on training and how to make the most use of that program. So I'm excited to see that. It'll be, uh, you know, changes, even good change is difficult for um, for individuals at times, but I think the drivers in the end will find it very useful to have detailed information, up-to-date information um, at their fingertips at all times when they're operating their routes. Mm -hmm. So would you say that's kind of like one of the messages you have for parents is to just try to be considerate of the paperwork when the stuff comes through the mail, try to get it in as early as you can because it is yeah, generally it's an email that's sent with a link, and if we can, yeah, definitely it's one of the most helpful things when parents can try to be as thorough about that. I, we understand that we're not always going to know what all of our after-school plans are. They're still being developed, and you know, I have family to manage as well, and so we know what that's like, uh, but trying to get that information to us as efficiently and as accurately as possible certainly is helpful with the initial planning. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell us a little bit? I don't know you haven't spoken yet, but do you have enough? Do you have anything more about that? Because we could move on to uh, what does it look like to be a bus driver? Yeah, uh, one of the and, questions we had was how to. It was kind of how do you make the sausage, but how do you make the the roots? <laughs> uh, but I think you kind of answered. He that. did. He yeah. kind of meshed it all in, which is good. Yeah. Um, you know, because we don't want to be boring. <laughs> let's answer this question now, and yeah. let's go to this question. But so, Jills, yeah. you're a bus driver too. Bus so driver. how about if we have a little discussion between the two of you? Let's kind of shake this up a little bit. Um, you know, what does it take to be a successful driver? I mean, what's it like? And I know that when you have staff shortages, I see you in the bus sometimes when I'm out Absolutely. and about. You know, so you kind of do it all when you have to, which is what a leader does. Everybody's a sub driver. We have mechanics in our administrative office staff. We all substitute drive when we need. Um, however, it's, uh, it's we're in a good place now with some staffing Im improvements. We've been able to hire some additional drivers and train drivers, so we're moving in the right direction there, which is very exciting. You know, what we're looking for in drivers are individuals who are interested in engaging the community. Uh, you have to like working with people. One of the, um, I think, misnomers that people have about school bus driving is they immediately think, oh, that's not something I could do. That's only something somebody else who really likes children uh, can do. But that's really not the case. I, I think, you know, I, we find that as people begin to train and they spend time on a school bus, we have a significant amount of training time that we provide with the new staff riding along to see if it's something they really want to do. And, you know, we'll hire individuals start training and then you know they'll see you know this really isn't so bad and they really find that it's very rewarding interacting with the students and one of the bigger concerns that um, I think people are unfamiliar with they think oh you know I'm gonna have to deal with bad behavior now there's always going to be a certain amount of guidance that needs to be provided to any group of individuals whether they're adults or children but for the most part you'll find that the 
the students, they actually want to please the, the authority figure that is responsible for them. So for the most part, I find that the students really want to conduct themselves you know, well and be uh, feel proud of like, hey, I, you know, I, I can ride the bus and I can do it responsibly. And, and we provide guidance to drivers on how to um, work with students who may need a little extra guidance or, or um, you know, additional attention or understanding to help them be successful. But I think all of our drivers have found that you know, it takes a willingness to learn, uh, a willingness to challenge yourself but once you get going, it's it's really one of the most enjoyable and I'll even say the word easy job, easiest jobs that you can have when you enjoy what you're doing and, and interacting with the student. Jill's yet. Do you, you concur? How about having this little? Yeah, no, I, I'm because I I thought you know coming into it that it was like oh, I don't know if I can deal with it. I mean I like kids, but I don't like kids that much that you know. <laughs> Where you're stuck on a bus with them for this length of time. Um, but I find it extremely rewarding. Uh, I've been doing it, I think this is my fourth year. I think as a, so. As a bus driver. And uh, which seems like a, 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 you know, just a blip for me. Uh, but there's kids who have said to me, you're the only bus driver I've ever had. I don't, I don't remember anyone else. And it's like. Mm. I'm part of their life. Right. And it's really cool and exciting. There's a, a young kid who, when I was learning, he was a kindergartner. And he, I had to sit in the front seat next to the kindergartner. So we were buddies. I mean, we just sat there with each other. And uh, he's going into fourth grade. And I'm like, how did this happen? So it's... it's. Or how about when you go places? I don't know. You probably experienced that. When you go places and there are kids around... You know these events, and they're like, "Hey!" and they're they're just happy yeah. to come see you and talk Absolutely. to you, and they recognize like, you. They want to say hi. They want to give you a high five. They want to give you a hug. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, it's just it's, it's a respected. Yeah. It's really a respectful. I, I don't know if I'm going to say it right, but you can put the words in my mouth, right? There's a respect there, on their part toward you. Absolutely, you, you build a positive rapport, and there you they, go. they they yes, come to look at, and you know like. Like teachers and other adults in the school system, they, they look up to you. You know everything. You're mm -hmm. you're supposed to know everything in their eyes, and you do know everything in their eyes. And so there's a lot of implicit trust based on that relationship. Just and so taking the time and care to say hi in the mornings. You're the first person for the school district they're going to see, and yep. you have an opportunity for a few minutes to have a positive impression. At the end of the day, when it's time to go home. You're the last person they may interact with, and you can help brighten their day if they've had a hard day. You can, uh, you'll hear about the things they want to tell you, their projects. Um, the, the younger uh, students, especially when they get on with their, um, their you know, posters or their stuffies, and they just they have a story to tell you. And it, what seems just innocuous and benign to us is just a high and goodbye interaction is everything for that student's day in many cases. And, the impact that we're having is is um, goes way beyond anything that we can uh, consciously acknowledge in any given moment. I'm going to have to say, and you can comment after, <clears throat> but you know we are human, and we can have times in our lives where we stereotype people, mm -hmm. right? And I don't know if there was a time when I was younger. 
that kind of put one of those things in me regarding bus drivers. I can't pinpoint it, right? But I just know, sitting here listening, how good it is for people to be hearing um, how respectful this job really is, right? And the rapport. And because I remember thinking that it's a job when you can't go get anything else. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I, I'm pretty sure most of us know that because it's somehow in society, well, it has come, has, has it has come character. out. I mean, you had the yeah. Chris Farley <clears throat> character who, you know, was an angry bus driver and kind of a moron and, and the Simpsons bus driver. And, and so we can relate to that because at one point we've sure. actually seen, heard it, maybe even thought it at some point, but, or at least. You know, we we can say we, we've seen this. We know that people see that. That's what they see. And um, it's not that I judged them per se, but I had that thought. It's something they don't have. They, they can't get another job right now, so we'll just go do bus driving. Yeah, it's an marginalized it's, position. It is. Yeah. and um, But really, I know people who bus drive. And really, it's been... I never rode the bus. I walked to school. And, but in my later years of adulthood is when I've met people, you know, a lot of pastors even, um, that bust. Yeah. And it was because God placed them there for various reasons, et cetera, whatever, you know, or they really love children and there's many reasons they love to ride. And yeah, and I, so I, I'm looking at the individuals who have chosen to take on bus driving as um, a, a place where they want to serve. And I think that's what I find is that you know, having a servant's heart, and that's a, a big piece of the job. And we have people from all kinds of backgrounds, professional backgrounds. We've got, we've had individuals who were retired lawyers. Now, many, you know, some folks are retired. Some folks are um, still, you know, kind of figuring out working, you know, are they, you know, they may be a second income earner for their family and just trying to see what they want to do. Um, but we've got individuals who have been um, retired programmers, engineers. It's just, it's amazing the, the background that people bring and, and the value that they bring and the, just the wealth of knowledge and experience that they bring. Um, it's not the stereotype of people who just couldn't get a job anywhere else. That is a absolutely the farthest thing from the, from reality. And so what are, what would you say are more of the common reasons people, these people that you're talking about from all walks of life, what would, what's the commonality that they want to come take this job? Do you have, is there, is there a commonality? Yeah, I, I think some of it's flexibility. You know, we are very flexible as far as what we can offer for uh, the types of driving schedules. I mean, they are split shifts for the most part. A regular route is there's an AM run and a PM run, but then there's field trips. Um, sports and athletics trips. So we have a combination of both part-time and full-time drivers that can do that. And so part of it is looking for um, you know, something that's flexible. Some are just looking for something to do because they've perhaps retired from their full-time uh, lifelong career. And we have, I have some that say, I just want to learn something new. I've always thought I might want to do that. And so those are the people that are admitting now that in the past, they had thought about it, but hadn't really told anybody. And 
now they're at that point in life where they time for a new chapter, a new um, exciting adventure. Let's see what it is. And, you know, they can almost approach it with a, you know, if I fail, at least I tried, but they don't fail. They come in and they succeed and they do very well. It has to be pretty cool as, as the director seeing. It's very rewarding. And this is the only place I've ever worked as a school bus driver. So I don't know anything else other than this, but I will say that there is um, an environment where you're treated like a professional and expected to act like a professional. So it's not, um, you know, the guy from The Simpsons who's <laughs> belching along the way. There's <laughs> no stereotyping here, there is right? No, no it's, <laughs> so you're expected to act in a certain way. And I think when you realize who you're getting you're getting the community members most prized possession that's their kids and so they're trusting you with their children mm. and that comes with a with a heaviness absolutely i'd like to echo that and what you're saying about you know transporting the most prized possessions of a family when those parents put their student on the bus you are the second most important person they're paying attention to besides the health and well-being of their own child is they want to know um, that their student is in good hands, in good care. And so parents will connect with drivers. They'll build a positive interacting relationship, both you know, um, in the morning and the afternoon when putting their kids on the bus, receiving their kids, talking with them outside of bus driving when we run into each other in the community and just building that, you know, you become part of the family. We have drivers um, around the holidays when it's when they want to give gifts to uh, the drivers and just thanking them for doing a good job. It's like being part of their family. It's mm -hmm. the, the, the thanks and the sentiment and uh, just that welcome, loving response that you receive. It's like these, the families really care mm -hmm. and you really feel cared for. And in the school district, interacting with principals, with teachers, with administrators, that level of respect. It, I think some people are surprised when they're new to school bus driving, how much respect and dignity comes with the position. There's a lot of honor and responsibility that you just don't expect. You're like, whoa, these people are addressing me like I'm pretty important. And <laughs> it's because you have a very important job. Sure. And, and you, know, you are expected to be professional. You are expected to show up in a kind, caring way. And when we, you know, if, when we don't do so well, you know, that's where you're going to hear from individuals as well. But it's because they care. And uh, it's just it's amazing how highly regarded uh, transportation employees really are in the school district. Mm. That's really neat. It is. Yeah. Well, there's more deserving of uh, highly, how, how do I say that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know it's so good with that. words. Um, <laughs> we're going to make a shift. <laughs> Let's start there. Yeah, we are. Uh, we wanted to bring you in because you are a community leader and, and the transportation guy, but you're more than that. You're a long distance runner, we heard. Um, but <laughs> you you're, have a family. <laughs> yeah, but you're in the EMT. Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm an EMT and firefighter for the Underhill Jericho Fire Department here in our community. 
I had originally in 2009, 2010 timeframe, when I was living in central Vermont, I had trained to become a firefighter level one certification firefighter for the Berlin Volunteer Fire Department. Did that for about a year, year and a half. Busy time professionally in my life, some changes going on with my family and my personal life, so I wasn't able to stick with it as as long or as involved as I wanted to be, but I was very much um, impressed on the level of training and the camaraderie and the service. So when the opportunity came around again, honestly, when, when I met my wife, you know, we cherished our time together, and we still do very much cherish our time together, our personal time, so it was not something that I'd even really considered asking her, hey, you know, by the way, could I go volunteer and do this thing that's going to take me away from you at all hours of the day and night, and interrupt our meals and family time and all those precious moments that are already um, hard to come by, and especially with a blended family. And uh, at one point, we have a mutual friend who we both grew up with who was on the fire department, and he had been talking to both of us and I think uh, at some point, a uh, switch flipped for my wife and realized that, you know, her husband is going to flourish even more in growth, personal growth, and, and as, a, as a husband and father by being able to go out and serve. We realized we got to know each other well enough two, three, probably three years into our marriage or so, where we realized what really helps us grow and pick and thrive and, and where our passions are. And we both knew that you know, serving the community, we both had a passion for that. And so in 2020, on 9-11, I submitted my application. Don't ask me why it was 9-11. It just <laughs> happened to be the day where I said, you know, I, it just made me think of, uh, I wanted to do that. My wife, in advance of that date, had said, you know what, I think if that's something you're interested in doing, why don't you give it a shot? So I s signed up, and I've not looked back. I love every minute of it. I don't, uh, I don't get to serve as much as I'd like to, you know, working full-time with, uh, with the school district, but it's a balance of both worlds of being able to serve the community. And uh, my wife also signed up uh, to volunteer as an auxiliary member, so we get to serve together in some capacity there as well. And then a couple of years into that, we had started a first response component to the Underhill Jericho Fire Department. And when the opportunity came up during COVID to do remote EMT training, I started doing that because I was able to fit it into my schedule. I didn't really have the, the capacity to go somewhere um, to do the training, but we had online training plus in-person practicals, and so I was able to do that, and now I'm just I'm, I'm blown away by the experience of being able to serve in the community, uh, responding in people's time of need, and the level of gratitude and the connection between the school district and the um, fire department has just been a very rich, enriching, and rewarding experience. So how do you balance your, your personal life with your passions and your work life? Well, that's a tough one. I don't do it very well, I'll be honest with you, but you know, I certainly try my <laughs> well, best. Well, we, we find that a lot of people kind of say it the same, you know, like it's a challenge for them, so it's not... Yeah. Un unusual <laughs> yeah you know, but they try <laughs> it's yeah i i've learned to try to compartmentalize my availability when it's time to be available to my family i, I do my best not to allow work 
for volunteering to interrupt that, but we also plan times to be available nights and weekends. Generally, when we're home, I'm going to be available to respond day or night to fire calls or EMS calls. Um, during the week, it's certainly much more limited because I have to balance out my professional responsibilities there. Uh, I, so I'm still trying to, you know, during the work week, balance that out, try to keep my time, you know, focused on work, you know, at five o'clock, try to shut that off as much as I can um, and focus on family time. And so I'm just, I'm really, it's something that I'm still learning. I get up early in the morning so I can exercise and spend my time uh, reading and, and studying uh, the things that I have interest in and and then get to work, come home, spend time with the family as much as I can and, and balance it out. It's, it's not easy, but I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Well, I think just life situations. I mean, I'm sure you have seasons where it works out great, <laughs> you know, and you're able to balance and things are going good and then things all happen and then you have to shift. I mean, that's life. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I think in the summertime, things quiet down a little bit at the school district as far as the day-to-day operations go. We're operating some summer services, but I can I tend to strike a little bit um, slower pace and, and balance it out better. And then the winter rolls around and winter weather happens and you know, between EM, EMS and, EM, and the fire service and the school district, weather affects everything. And, and so that <laughs> certainly throws everything out of balance. But you have periods of, you know, intense rush and focus and hard work, and then times where you get to relax and breathe a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's finish this off. What advice would you give to your younger self? <laughs> a big smile there. <laughs> oh boy. Well, <laughs> I often think about this sometimes. In good days, I think about what I'd go tell myself, and then when I'm having bad days, I'll go back and. Think about what I would probably go tell myself. Um, I think, you know, the biggest thing I would want to impress upon myself if I had that opportunity was uh, balance is, is one of the big pieces. Uh, for me, physical uh, health is a big one. Taking more time, slow down, take care of yourself, listen to your body, uh, be thoughtful, don't rush into decisions without seeking um, advice from those who've been there and done that. Um, so that's a that's a, probably the, the biggest one for me is just, and I would encourage others to just, you know, especially if you're just starting out professionally um, or you're at the near the end of your career and you're just trying to find out how to change uh, pace into a new chapter of, you know, retirement, whatever it is, take time, slow down, consider your, your, you know, what's most important, taking care of your health, taking care of your family and the quality of life as far as how you treat yourself and how you demonstrate that to your family is just so important. Because I, I have friends and family who, you know, didn't focus on those things until it was uh, maybe a little too late to catch up. And so I'm thankful that all throughout my life I've had some focus on those things, but I've had a you know, much stronger focus on the last 10 you know, 10 to 15 years. And so I'm just really thankful for that. that I am paying attention more now to those things that are going to carry me on through uh, the next, you know, hopefully 50 or 60 years or better. Mm-hmm. Well, you probably will live that long. Probably. That kind of running. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know how you do it. You still take the garlic? <laughs> 
I take all kinds of supplements. (laughs) The real garlic, you would... what whole you would take whole garlic? Remember? Yeah, I don't do that anymore. No. <laughs> I, I've got I've got slightly more concentrated and and uh, better <laughs> supplements than that. <laughs> oh gosh! Well, yeah. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come yes. and chat with Thanks us. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, I just think it was. A, I think it would be an eye opener just to hear. Yep. You know coming from you, the, the, the director of it all and, and getting down to the, what it's, what it's really about. Yeah. I mean, the, the final plug I'd like to throw out is that, you know, in this, in this industry, um, trying things out, getting exposed to it is, is a great way, you know, talking to somebody that, you know, is a great way to get a better understanding. If anything, it costs you five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes of your time. Um, but word of mouth has been our greatest, um, mode of getting the message out about you know what school transportation is all about and uh, and finding ways to serve your community it, it's just so rewarding so the word of mouth piece you know i just i can't i can't say enough. that's been one of our most successful recruitment tools but it's not just about recruiting it's about finding people that are going to be part of the family and fit in and and it's so i would encourage anybody who's interested talk to Talk to a school bus driver. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like to just say thank you for your service. Thank you very much. Appreciate yeah. It. Yeah. Not just the school, but like the busing and the EM, EM what's it called? EMT. EMT. <laughs> um, That's my pleasure. It, it certainly is. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a passion. It's fun. It's rewarding. It can be t- difficult and challenging, but at the end of the day, it's all worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, just talking to you, we could hear it. So it emanates out of you. Sure does. Thank you. So how about that? Thank you for joining. How Miss- was it fun? What's right? fun? Getting to talk to Aaron, talking about schooling and busing. <laughs> That's why I asked. School is fun. Yeah. Kids would say, ah. <laughs> no, I think it was, you know, it was a good idea to have him on, you know, um, I mean, I know some kids, he buses too, right? Yes, Part of the job, so some kids know him, but, you know, do parents really get to meet him, you know, um, or even the other kids? I don't know. Maybe, but I just think it's good to have an off, off, what do you call that, when you're not at work? And, and, right, and, and a lot of times <laughs> when you hear from Aaron, it's not always like, yay, I get to hear from this guy. Yeah. <laughs> You know, it might be that your student has acted up. Right. It might be taking care of issues. Yeah, it might be that the the bus has got some issues and they're going to be ten minutes late or whatever. So you might not get to to hear him at his best. But here is why is one reason why we invited him too yeah. was because you know there's a lot to it and it's serving and he loves to serve. He you know he oozes serving. And, you know, and so hearing his heart for what he's, what he does really can help people change their minds. Right. I mean, we talk about stereotyping and you can just see somebody and immediately have an impression, but, um, so yeah, I just thought it was, it was good. Yeah. I thought it would be fun to talk to him and get to know him a little better and he didn't disappoint. No, he did not. He didn't. So. 
And we had a chance to thank him even publicly, right, for his service, not just busing, but for being an EMT firefighter. Um, it's his passion. It is. And when you get to talk to him, he's, um, I don't want to. I want to say it wrong, but he can be an intense guy. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, because he's passionate about he is, everything and he he's does. Focused. And yeah. He's just. But he's also when you get to know him, he's a gentle, down to earth. He's a he's just a good guy. Yeah. Who's got a big heart. Mm -hmm. uh, and so getting to know him, if you don't know him, you want to you want to get to know him, and if you do know him, you know how awesome he is. Mm-hmm. So thank you again, Aaron, for coming and being a part of this and, and taking out of your time to to talk to our listeners. Yeah. Parents. And I mean, you know, it was just um, I don't know. I just think it's really neat to to hear who people are outside of their work. Yeah. And that's one of the things that, you know, has pushed us to do this podcast is not because. We think we're the foremost authority and experts on everything. Right. Uh, I mean, I am, but <laughs> besides. besides uh, stupid. We got to put one of those ching things yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah, there we go. We got a little laughter going. Uh, no, but we're, we're not, you know, the authority experts on everything. Uh, but we wanted to have a place where you could hear from your community and your people. Right. And nobody else was doing it. So we said, hey, we're going to do it. Right. And and when you see them outside and hear them outside of their work, um, you see them differently. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really good, you, you really have to get to know somebody before you make judgments. Right. Right. And I'm not saying he's that kind of guy or not, but it's kind of another reason why we like to do what we do. Mm -hmm. Let's get to know people in our community. That's right. So that was fun. We get to know him. And uh, if you would like to, you know, be part of it, if you if you want to be interviewed, you can always email us. Yeah, Carmen's uh, shaking her I'm head. He I'm no hesitating here. Uh oh. Yeah, because she doesn't want to interview you. <laughs> She's like, no. If you no, up, that's not what I was shaking my head. I was, you know, doing the the where you keep the silent. Um, you know, what do you call that? The silent. Um signals <laughs> to say oops we haven't done this in a in a couple months now and what's our phone number because i want to give us our email give you our email and our phone number <laughs> so i'll just keep talking for right now while he's looking it up i guess um and aaron will put his his information uh in in the the show notes so that if you need to reach him you would have it um and so you can let us know uh, what you thought of this podcast, um, if you want to be interviewed, um, you can email us at talkofthetownvtpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Okay, good. <laughs> That's our had to, email. Had to think about that for a minute. Talkofthetownvtpodcast at gmail. Yep. And then our phone number, 802 858-5534. That's it. Woohoo! Yeah. I'm looking at him intensely. He's shaking his head. I'm impressed. <laughs> she did that all from memory, guys. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. It's funny how you still remember phone numbers, you know, from when you're little. 
207-782-7007. Whoa, that's her home phone, people. From way back when. So you can, I don't know who is it, it is now. <laughs> if you have a time machine, you can go back and call her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, tell her to not move to Jericho and <laughs> start a podcast. Anyway, so and, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> 802-858-5534. You can leave a message. No longer than three minutes. That's right. Or yeah. you can email us, talkofthetownvtpodcast at gmail, and you can let us know what you think. Uh, or if you have any ideas of uh, who we could interview. Yeah. That's it. So it's time to go. <laughs> It is. It is. Look for our next one in a couple weeks. Well, Uh, looking out for our next podcast. But until then, stay safe and stay dry. Yes. (laughs) You've been listening to Talk of the Town with Giles and Carmen, the podcast for the Mount Mansfield community. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you again next podcast.